can we can we pray together? Um, let's bow our heads, guys. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. God, we thank you for the work that you do in our lives, whether it's at camp or whether it's um, at home, Lord. God, we're thankful that you're always at work. God, that the same God that, that revealed himself in miraculous ways this past week, Lord, this past year, in our, life, in our lifetime, Lord, is the same God that's going to walk with us today. It's the same God that's in this room right now speaking to us and that's in love with us and always will be in love with us. So, Jesus, we ask that you would just speak to us, Lord. Um, would the words come out of my mouth not be my words, but your words, God. God, we, we love you and we honor you and we're listening to you. Um, in Jesus' name, we say together, amen. amen. We are actually going to be taking a break from the, the Life of David series. And so if you want to open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 5, we're going to be looking at a story of Jesus when he was on earth during his earthly ministry. This was during kind of one of the first encounters that he had. Jesus was ministering. He was moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. He was, he was healing the sick. The lame were walking. These miracles were getting people's attention but not only was God doing these miracles, but the miracles themselves were testifying to who he was. Jesus was revealing himself in his own heart to the people around him of who God's heart is. So when the word says that Jesus is fully God and man, that's what he was doing at the time. Because this great mystery of who God the Father was, was finally being answered in Jesus, the Son of God. He was revealing, no, this is how God really feels about you. This is why God does what he does. And we come to the story in Scripture. If you want to look in verse 17 with me, I'm going to read it um, if you want to follow along. Luke chapter 5, verse 17. And this is what the word says. It says, One day Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and teachers of the law, those are the religious leaders of the day, were sitting there. And they had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say, Get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Can we say amen to God's word? This story, um, Jesus is teaching, teaching a crowd. At this point, there were people coming from all over. The religious leaders of the day, in fact, we're coming at this point in the, in the scripture as it testifies to learn more about him. And we have this interesting encounter that happens where the house is so flooded with people that a, a couple of dudes, a couple of people carrying their friend on a mat because he was paralyzed couldn't get in. And so they did. 
what a guy would do is that they destroyed their house in order to get to Jesus. And so they go up on the roof and they actually, as it says in, in other tellings of the story in the Gospels, that they dug through the roof to lower him in front of Jesus. And so, too bad for the person that owns that house, right? Amen? <laughs> kind of a bummer in that point. But I think what happened justified it because you see Jesus then actually get into it with some of the religious leaders of the day. This is definitely a story about a man who is healed from being paralyzed, but the encounter was between Jesus and these religious leaders of the day and revealing who he was as well. And they said, they were questioning Jesus, um, you can't forgive him. You don't have that authority. And Jesus says, yes, I do, and I'm going to prove it. Get up and walk. And he gets up and walks, and the miracle itself testifies to the forgiving grace and salvation of who Jesus is which is such an important thing in this story because um, that's everything that Jesus wants to testify to in our lives. People, they celebrate, and they said, we have seen remarkable things today. They saw a living miracle in front of them. And this is a story definitely about people's faith in the Lord, but it's a story that reveals the heart of God of how when you're devoted to him that you see great things. When you look at the man who is on the mat and you look at his friends around him, what, what you can look at and see is devotion born out of a faith and even a trusting of who God is. Verses 18 and 19 speak to that because it said, Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat, and they tried to take him into the house. But as it is with large crowds, it can be a tough thing to walk through a, a packed house. And so it was almost as if they put this effort into it, and all of a sudden everything was just a little too crowded. There just wasn't enough room for a paralyzed man to get through there and to get to Jesus. There was something that was standing between God and what he wanted to do, and these people. That's an important thing to note in this story because devotion often has those walls and those spaces filled up between us. How many of you have had a dirty room before in your life? How many of you, oh man, oh man, how many of you, when your parents have someone come over, it's like mom has become the commander-in-chief of the military, and she's like, clean your room! clean your room right now, and it's like, it's not clean when no one's here, why are we cleaning it up now? And it becomes all of a sudden, you're cleaning up all the rooms in the house, you're cleaning up your room at home. Some of us have very messy rooms right now with sandy church clothes or camp clothes, unfortunately. But spaces that need to be cleaned, how many of you, how many of you have ever had to clean out your garage? Oof. I am so, so sorry. Maybe because your parents wanted to fit the car in there. Maybe they wanted to put something new in there. But there was just way too much junk in there. And so you had to dedicate. You had to get down and gritty. And you had to clean out that place so something else could be in there. You know, I think it's funny that God would use things like that to reveal what a daily devotion looks like. Because if you're cleaning out a room so something can occupy that space, you've got to clean it out first. You've got to make space for it first. And when you talk about our daily devotion to God, it starts with this. It starts with the space in our lives. And the truth of the matter is all of us have limited space. We have limited time in our lives, which means if something takes up that space in our life, there won't be time for anything else in it. And so when you see this paralyzed man coming forward, they didn't go, well, looks like he's busy. Let's go home. Come on. No, no, no. It was, all right, well, we're going to make some space. We're going we're gonna to get into the middle of this crowd. We're going to throw a couple of elbows, and we're going to get into the presence of God. 
You see, that's the picture of the daily devotion that God wants us to do, and it often starts with throwing a couple elbows at some things that are in our lives. Amen? When you look at things like camp and why it's so impactful, when you look at all the things that happen at a, at a camp setting, why the Holy Spirit does such an incredible work, it's not a coincidence that when we go to camp, we see God work the way he does because camp is the actual perfect picture of what it looks like to make space for camp in our lives. And I want you guys to think about this for one minute. I want you just to think about the basic structure of a camp and what it sets you up to do. You are spending a week away from your phone, away from people who may be unhealthy in your life. You're not distracted by technology. You're not distracted by the media. Every day... You are, you are waking up with a group of either girls or a group of dudes who are trying to learn about the Lord as well. You have a morning service. You're worshiping every day. Okay, you're in the Word every day. You're spending alone time with God every day. Not only that, but you're gathering with your group, and you guys are talking about what it means every day. Not just talking about anything, but talking about actually what it means. Then on top of that, you actually are having some fun together. You guys have fun. You play games together. You hang out. You dance. Those are things that God wants, wants us to do. You're sitting before the teaching of God every day. Not only that, but you have leaders around you who are leading you in the Lord that are giving you honest feedback. Some of you were very much disciplined this week at camp. Hallelujah. <laughs> and that isn't something to reject. That doesn't mean you're a bad person. It means that discipline is something that God does for us. Now think about that for a second. When you do that daily, do you think it's a, it's a surprise that you begin to see God work in your life? Not at all. It's not a surprise at all because now it's like all these things have been put into the daily week of camp, the days of camp, to make space for God to move in your life. In fact, I wrote this down. This is the definition of camp. I have, I have undertaken to give a definition of what camp is. Camp is living a daily devotion to Jesus in a different life setting than the one back home. I'm going to repeat that one more time. This is what camp is. Camp is living a daily devotion to Jesus in a different life setting than the one that's back home. It's a picture of what we're supposed to look like when we're here. One of, the, one of my pet peeves as a pastor is when people say we're back in reality. No, that was real. What happened back at camp? That was very much real. It was just a different setting. Maybe even a little bit of an easier setting because some things were taken out of your lives, you know, by your parents or even by us and the staff and things like that. But the truth of the matter is, and this is why it's so beautiful, you can live this daily devotion without camp. It's just got to be your decision to make space. You got to be the one tearing through the roof and breaking the crowds to get to Jesus in your own life. Maybe that's for you. Maybe tearing through the roof is, is thinking about your phone. For me personally, my phone can distract me so much. If I have an app on my phone that I spend more time on than in the Word every day, I got to delete it. I had to delete Pokemon Go after two days, guys. Amen? It was just way too much. And that's, it, it's like, ha, 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 ha. But it's the truth, guys. It's the truth. I had to get rid of that for me personally. And that's not the only app. That's not the only thing that I've had to get rid of in my life. It's not the only space that I've had to make for myself. But it truly is making space for one another. Making space in itself, I, I think this is important to note as well. Making space, if you're going to say, all right, I'm going to cut some things out of my life 
or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make time. I'm going to make time for God's word and to spend time in his presence. I'm going to make time for one another. I'm going to make time for my friends and say, hey, how are you doing? I'm going to make time to have fun with friends in the name of the Lord. Making time and making space is an act of faith and trust. That's not just an effort. It's not effort-based. I just need to try harder. could be the very thing that you say to yourself. But, but at the root of it, yeah, it requires effort, definitely. But at the root of it, it's a trust issue. And there's the question I want to ask you guys right now. If you, do you trust that if you made time for God in your life, that he would show up and that he would meet you right where you're at and provide you with everything that you need? Do you believe in that? Do you trust that? Because that's the question you got to ask yourself. Because if you don't believe that, it's like, I don't know why I'm making time for my Bible. Because I don't think God's going to show up. I don't know why I pray because I don't feel like God's going to show up. That's, that's called a lack of faith. And that's a point of, okay, God, I'm going to trust you with this. I'm going to take a step out. And I'm going to put effort out of trust in you. I think that's something that God wants for all of us. Amen? God would even say things like this. He would say, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. I want to read that one more time. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Asking. Seeking and knocking are our decisions, guys. That's our decision that we get to make out of faith. And Jesus is, he's, he's proclaiming, he's even singing to us, please do this. Please, I will show up. I will meet you. If you knock on my door, you make space, you're going to see the miraculous. And when you even look at this story in verse 20, it says this. I love this. It says, when Jesus saw their faith. It doesn't say when Jesus saw their effort. Didn't see when Jesus saw their creativity to get through a roof. No, it says faith. It was faith that brought him closer to God. That was the thing that brought him from one place to another. When Jesus sees our faith, that's when, that's when things happen, and that's when camp happens, and that's when the miraculous happens. And we saw some miraculous things happen at camp, right? Yes, we did. And if you didn't have the opportunity, I'm actually, where's McKenna? McKenna, can you stand up? Guys, McKenna, if I may tell even just a quick story on her behalf, she had, had torn a muscle in her shoulder from a car accident, and she had, she had almost actually had to go home because she was in a lot of pain. And then uh, there was prayer over her, and she was healed on the spot. So go ahead and show your arm to her. Isn't that incredible, guys? <laughs> even on that? When she was saying that when she was being prayed over, she felt like all these hands were on her back, and she thought a bunch of kids were coming up and praying over her. She turned around, and there was no one there. Isn't that crazy, guys? Can we give glory to God for that? And even with that dude back there, Chad, can you walk around really fast? Can you, can you strut your stuff on the catwalk, my friend? Chad had thrown out his back, and his leg had gone completely numb, and he was on crutches, in that weird wheelchair that was out there and the golf cart that was out there. And there was prayer over him. And now look at him. Look at him. He's walking, guys. 
And it was funny because the prayer was actually before one of the services, and then I was talking to a student, and I see out of the corner of my eye, and here's Chad walking, holding both his crutches, and I'm like, hey, Chad, <laughs> wait a minute, you know? But that, that's, just the, that's just the tip of the iceberg of things that happened. There were so many students that came up to me saying, we saw angels, dudes just trying to be, you know, and you know as a dude in junior high, you got to look cool. And you, you're trying to act cool. But what I saw after services was dudes just wailing because of the things that they had seen from God. It was like, there's one, there's one, there's one. You know what I mean? And it is so, it's incredible to hear when kids are coming up and they're like, hey, when you were on stage, I saw legions of angels and things like that. And when we're up on stage, we're like, I don't know, like, or like, or whatever. And they're like saying, yeah, I saw this around you and things like that. It's mind-blowing, actually, some of the things. But let me tell you this. God spoke words through your counselors and through your friends, prophetic words, things that they could have never known about you. God spoke. There were tons of things that happened. But I want you to know this, and this is the beautiful thing about this story. The God who did those incredible miracles is the God who loves us beyond anything we could ever imagine. See, there was a reason why those things happened at camp, and there's a reason for the healing that Jesus did in this story. Because when you look at this encounter, it says that Jesus saw their faith, and then he says, friends, your sins are forgiven. Isn't that hilarious? Because clearly they are coming for a healing of a paralyzed man. And the first thing that Jesus would say is he doesn't say, all right, you're healed, you're good, great faith, way to come, I'll give you what you want. But he says this, he says, Hey, you know what? Your sins are forgiven. Doesn't heal him. It's funny that God would start with that, even in the midst of a deep physical need or even a circumstantial need. So why would he do that? It's because of this. God wants us to know at our deepest core that we are loved and that we are forgiven right where we're at. See, The greatest miracle of God is that he loves us, and every other miracle testifies to that. The miracle of physical healing, the miracle of the paralyzed man, is secondary to the greatest miracle, that God loves us and that God forgives us. Amen? God would do anything to make sure that you know that down at your deepest core. And I would just even say that's probably one of the biggest things that we struggle with doubt in. Does God really forgive me? Does God really love me? Does God love me now, or is he going to love me then? Maybe he used to love me, but maybe he doesn't anymore. But the greatest miracle is this. God loves you right now. You even see that in this story with the Pharisees going, I don't know. I don't know. Okay? I don't know if you have that ability. I don't think that you can say that over someone. Maybe we've thought that in our hearts when someone said, hey, God forgives you, and you're like, I'm not, I'm not sure about that. I'm not, I'm, not really, I'm not really sure if I'm completely forgiven or if I'm just put in the doghouse for a little bit. And so then Jesus says, actually, let me ask you something. What's an easier thing to do, to say your sins are forgiven or to get up and walk? And then he even, he calls a shot. Jesus loves to call a shot in Scripture, and he says, so that you know that I actually do have the authority to forgive sins, get up. Get up and walk. Because I need you to know that your sins are forgiven. That was the heart of the story. See, those miracles testified to the love of us. 
And no matter what happened to you at week this, at camp, maybe you had an incredible encounter of God, or maybe you just heard the whisper of God of that He loves you. That is the greatest miracle that could have happened at camp. Amen? It's the greatest thing that you can live in, and that's the place where God wants us to live in. Many of us know 1 Corinthians 13 when it talks about love. And it says this. I want to read it. It says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. He's saying is, you can do all these things, but if you don't have love, you have nothing. But I want you to see the reverse of it, guys. God is showing these incredible acts of love and these incredible acts of miracles, but he's not doing it randomly. He isn't just doing it by chance. He's not a magician. He's doing it so it testifies to God's love and it points us to his love. God, I want to fall in love with you more because you're showing this this act of love to me right now. To leave a miracle as a miracle or an experience as an experience is just as it says here. It's to gain nothing. It's to gain nothing. Because the truth of no matter what God did, he did it to testify to his heart for you and me. Amen? I'm going to call the worship team back up. We're going to close... Verse 18, there's just one more point I want to make to this story that I think was absolutely um, a word that is for everyone in this room and maybe even a word over this next season of your life. The paralyzed man, he didn't hire, he didn't hire hands. He didn't even try to get by himself, nor could he. But he had people coming at his own expense. He had people contending with him. The paralyzed man didn't dig the hole in the roof. It was his friends that did it. We need one another in order to enter into the presence of God. McKenna didn't pray for herself to get healed. Someone else did. Chad didn't pray for himself to get healed. Someone else did. And that's a beautiful testimony of God's love because we need one another, guys. We need one another to be able to contend and to pray for. And so if you see someone in need, we get to be the first ones to pray. We get to be the first ones to show that love that testifies to God's goodness. Amen. You guys would want to bow your heads with me. We're going to respond in a couple ways here. Maybe you've been just really thinking a lot this week about everything that God has done. Maybe you're you're in a place of I didn't even realize I was making space for God. That's why it's so incredible. But maybe you're in a place of realizing, oh, well, that's why I don't experience God as much the rest of the year. Maybe this morning you're feeling God's call to to deeper relationship. And it's not making space space for space's sake. It's making space for God to be deeper in relationship, to spend more time with the one who loves you and the one that you love. And so this morning, maybe even just something as practical as making time for for his word or for prayer for one another. If that's you this morning, I want to pray with you this morning. But maybe this morning um, you're just sensing in your heart, Maybe you're struggling even with the forgiveness of God. Was that real? Is he really, does he really forgive me? The truth is that he does, even though we don't deserve it. It has to be undeserved in order for to cover people like us. 
Maybe this morning you just need to allow God's grace over you. You say, okay, God, I'm going to allow you to wash my feet. God, I'm going to allow you to, to cleanse me even though I don't deserve it. And God says, thank you, because I love you, and I went to the cross so that I could forgive you. If that's you this morning, I want to pray. I want to celebrate with you. Jesus, we, we love you, and we praise you. And, Lord, we want to... We don't want love to just be a part of our lives, your love and your forgiveness to be a part of our lives. But, Lord, we want to sink deep into it, Lord. Your love is deep, Lord. It washes over us. It covers us in everything that we are. And so, Lord, we allow it. Lord, I just sense, I'm just sensing in the room, I see a picture of it's like, it's almost like a dam that's like holding back just love. And we're, we're building the dam higher and higher. But God says, break it down. Just let it wash over you. Let, let you allow yourself to be forgiven by me. Just allow that this morning. And maybe this morning you want to make space and we want to pray with you. We want to walk with you. Because it is. Camp is a picture of daily life together. So whether or not you went to camp, we get, we get to walk in daily life together. We get to walk out that daily devotion together. And so, Jesus, we just commit that to you, Lord. We walk in your grace and that, Lord. We know we're not perfect at it. Lord, we know we're going to fail at it. But, Lord, that doesn't mean we're not going to grow in it. Lord, we're going to grow. We're going to get closer to you the more that we seek you, the more we ask, Lord, the more that we knock, Lord, the more you'll open your door. So, Lord, we commit that into your hands, and we praise you. And in Jesus' name we say together.